E-commerce isn't just an aspect of growing a successful wine business, it is crucial. And that's why I strongly recommend working with Offset Partners. As a proudly independent e-commerce technology and brand design company based in wine country, Offset understands the operational nuances and the customer service imperatives that distinguish a great online buying experience from a mediocre one. And that's why leading and legendary brands like Saxum, Arnott Roberts, and Kermit Lynch Wine Merchant choose Offset's proprietary commerce technology platform to power their DTC sales. If you're an allocated winery or a high-touch merchant that values an elegant, effective commerce solution for both you, your customers, and your team, reach out to the smart team at offsetpartners.com. That's O-F-F-S-E-T, partners with an S, dot com, to craft a better direct-to-consumer experience. I'll drink to that, where we get behind the scenes of the beverage business. I'm Levy Dalton. I'm Erin Scala. And here's our show today. The Aube subregion of Champagne has long been caught between two worlds. In 400 BC, two groups, one Gaelic and one Celtic, formed a large settlement. Some of the Celts left, incidentally for the Po River, they had excellent taste in terroir. And a few centuries later, waves of Christian priests were attracted to the area, and many became martyred saints. The area was a part of Charlemagne's empire, which was split into the beginnings of modern-day France with the Treaty of Virgin. This Champagne subregion has long been perceived, especially in wine writing, as in a type of limbo between Burgundy and Champagne. While the Aube shares the Kimmeridgean soils of Chablis, they grow mostly Pinot Noir. It's difficult to find any wine writing on the Aube that doesn't draw a parallel to Burgundy, at least in soil. And in fact, before the French Revolution, the Cote de Bar was a part of the province of Burgundy, and though today they make mostly sparkling wine, or grapes intended for sparkling wine production, it was not an easy assimilation into the region of Champagne. In fact, when Champagne communities in the north attempted to kick the Aube out of Champagne in the early 1900s, the Aube responded with historic riots, and they were eventually accepted back in, but without any premier or grand cru status. For much of the 1900s, the Aube became known for blending fruit, and many growers would send their fruit north to be crushed with big houses. But over the last decade or so, things have palpably changed, and the catalytic force is coming from within the Aube. If you look at recent changes in the context of the region's past, throughout history, the Aube seems to get caught up between the tension of two forces, be it Gaelic-Celtic power, paganism, and Christianity or the idea of belonging to Burgundy or Champagne. And throughout history, each time the tension mounts between various opposing forces, the people in the Aube respond with a powerful sense of independence, and they assert their own wishes over their own destiny. This is playing out once again in the world of Champagne. One by one, growers in the Cote de Bar are starting to bottle their small plots and demonstrate how unique Pinot Noir on Kimmeridgean soils can taste. Instead of settling on blending into the larger Champagne, the Aube is carving out its own identity within Champagne. Over the last few decades, producers in the Aube have diversified the possibilities of what Champagne can be. 
And yet, somehow, it feels like we've only seen just the beginning of what they have to offer. I talk to winemakers all the time. And something they tell me is that oxygen management is a key to aging wine. Finding the right balance is crucial. And that's why I recommend DM's revolutionary cork closures. With DM corks, winemakers can achieve precisely controlled oxygen management after a bottle leaves the winery, ensuring a wine that matures gracefully and reaches its full potential. With over 2 billion DM corks sold each year, it's clear that winemakers worldwide trust DM for consistent results. And DM has recently expanded the permeability options for their popular DM10 and DM30 closures, providing winemakers with even more flexibility to choose a cork that will guarantee the kind of wine life they envision. Banish surprise dud bottles and embrace DM closures. Your customers will thank you. In North America, DM products are exclusively distributed by G3 Enterprises. Ready to ensure the lifespan of your wines? Go to dm-closures.com forward slash I-D-T-T to learn more. That's D-I-A-M-closures with an S dot com forward slash I-D-T-T for more information. Bertrand Gautreau on the show today of Vouet and Sorbet. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm so happy to be here. So you make wine in the Cote de Bar in Champagne. Yes, that's right. And originally, your family was selling the grapes, and you were working in a different industry in the 80s. Yes, that's right. It's very new for the family to, to have some people who make Champagne. It's much more a big firm with uh, every people of the family, my uncle, my cousin, my brother's. And the wine is looking like uh, something to drink for the dinner on, like uh, some good food. You were making wine at the co-op, but then also selling to Negos. Yes, that was uh, the story. But I selling in the Negos even uh, after being uh, biodynamic certificated. So it's only three years after that uh, I make my own champagne. Before you came back to the estate, which was, I believe, 98? Yes. You were working in the cosmetics industry? Yes. It was 93, exactly. Oh, okay. But just before, I was a designer in plastic cosmetic. It's only because um, the farm was too small and uh, my father was young. So my girlfriends kept me in this industry and... Uh, I travel a small and touch to the luxe industry. Luxury industry? Yes. But then you decided to return to the farm. What precipitated that? Why the decision to return? It was uh, from the beginning. The industry was only uh, a joke or something during five years for me to see another world, to see another thing. But I always take my holiday during harvest. So it was nice for the... Um, uh, design office because uh, I can be here during summer and uh, I can take my holiday when every people coming back working. So I never 
forget the vineyards. I always been in vineyards. My first uh, harvest was uh, 86. So during 86 to 93, I was, I have two jobs. So you enjoyed the farm. You yes, enjoyed working yes, farm work. Yes. So you returned in 93 and then biodynamic certification in 98. What happens in between? Between it was a um, special time because I suddenly discovered that uh, champagne was not so complicated wine and it was too much chemical wine. And when I'm coming from uh, Garland or Chanel, I imagined that uh, champagne was a, a very well-known wine in the world. People are at the top of the respect of nature. And it was exactly the opposite. There is so much money to do in Champagne that we don't take any risk. So all is uh, under control. And that's not my idea of the wine. It was a very surprise. So much more important surprise certainly is to use herbicides. And using herbicides to make growing plants and to heat the fruits of the plants for me, it's uh, unlucky or it's not nor usual. So I immediately stopped this practice. After, uh, with my wife, uh, we discovered the testing of the real wine. And I said, yes, I've got to go in this way. Even if I don't make wine, I will be m m much happier, very well in my vineyards with, in this way of culture. And what were the wines that you discovered that helped you along the way? <laughs> the type of wine will help me so much. Perhaps it's uh, the wine from Chablis or uh, Azas, because uh, I like all the um, rigueur. I don't know. Like, uh, the kind of say. tension and structure of those? Yes, but uh, the man, how they are thinking. And uh, it's like people who we spent a lot of time thinking or on the high level of what they do on their rules and they, they do what they say, etc., etc. It's uh, typical Germanese thinking, etc. So I need this beginning for me to help because I, I like to, to know what I do and why I do this. So. It's much more beginning the testing in Alsace with Jean-Pierre Frick, for example. It's very important guys for me and uh, to go in this way. After uh, we meet Didier Dagneau, François Cotta in Sancerre, etc. And Vincent Dovisa. And after uh, Anselm Celos was somebody who is uh, very important for me. But each people... Um, who cross my road have their own importance and perhaps much more important. It's simple, but it's my father because he let me the, all the decision. Even if he always have a look about what I do, he let me go or he helped me. So it's very important. And a lot of people come to visit and uh, ask me or help me or... There is always experience at home. <laughs> Strong experience. <laughs> the Chablis reference is interesting because in a way, where you are in the Cote d'Ivoire, you're actually closer to Chablis 
the town of it than certain major cities of Champagne. Yes, uh, certainly a good spot to make Champagne now because um, it's particular way uh, area. My grandfather was selling the grapes in Bourgogne or in Champagne. It was dependent on the price. So we are not completely in Champagne. And in uh, 1927, we were obliged to to work only with champagne guys on champagne houses and um, that's not so good for us because we have this uh, feeling about the wine who is much more like a Bourgogne guys is that what happened after in the years 80 in the years 80 I wear wine was a uh, too much character to make the champagne who was uh, very well known at the, at the moment, like Clicquot, etc. They need wine without any characters, not without, but s- small characters. And we were the bad guys, bad boys of champagne, <laughs> because we were too much. And now at the beginning of the years or um, 2000, there is a movement around champagne. And the movement began with the cooker guys. The chefs. They want to buy champagne in the same way that they buy potatoes. There is no labels, no marketing around potatoes. But around the champagne bottles, there is so much marketing. So when very well-known cooker on small cooker like wine bar, thinking or discovers that you can't have champagne, without marketing, it was very nice for Côte de Bar because we are in the way of the wine naturally. So it's the area in Champagne who always progress each day. You have new winemaker on new risk in the vinification. That's very important. The second thing was important in Côte de Bar is that we are very close to the nature because each people have cows when he was young. There is a real link with the farm, with the vegetable, with uh, with animals, with apple, with honey, with all the normal farm. And uh, it's easy to come in uh, in the way of Steiner for biodynamic, for example. And it's much more complicated when you are in uh, the middle of the Côte de Blanc or Côte de Bonne in this very well-known wine area. And for a joke for us, because we always want to find one trees to put a bird in Côte de Blanc. <laughs> and for us, it's very easy to, to be in biologic way. You don't see the biodiversity in those more well-known regions. Yes. We have the river, we have all this very easy. And we have the link, because our grandfather, our father, I used to, to have animals with them, cow, sheep pigs, etc., etc. So they know how to be in good uh, health in all the farm. And if you are too much specialized, it's much more complicated. People who make only tomatoes after uh, one, two or three years, you have problem because the insect or uh, bacteria moving and can uh, make big problem because there is only one type of culture so 
you can get blight more easily because there's yes. only one sort of thing and it can wipe out all of that thing. Yes. You know, whatever it might be that comes along to wipe it out. I'm sure and in my area, the vineyards are bigger because uh, we are younger and uh, it's not separate between all the brothers and sisters. Oh, there I see. is only one or two separate each uh, 30 the, years. The parcels are bigger. So it's easier. I don't have any uh, neighbors with chemical. So, uh, my two neighbors are my cousin or my brother. And uh, I can work a part of their vineyards in biodynamics. And uh, I can get all the grapes of my vineyards without any problem, without any suspicion about using the wine to make a natural alcoholic fermentation. So you can work around the edges of your own property to make sure that yes. chemical sprays aren't wafting in. Yes. And at the same time, you have a little bit of a different kind of soil than a lot of regular, what we might think of as champagne, because it's a different kind of... of Yes, sorry, a word chucked me. <laughs> you say regular champagne, but my area, it's 22% of champagne. It's around 60 million bottles. So every people forget Côte de Bar, but it's much more important for the big houses, well-known, that buy so much in our area. So the soil is a Chablis soil. So we are on Kimia Kimmerja, it's calcare blocks, hard, and uh, clays. Uh, and we have three levels uh, in Kimmerja. So I'm on the third level. And uh, we have a very small part of Portlandia, with the soils of the Petit Chablis. But even if the soils is typical of um, the Jurassic Superior, uh, the weather is not the Chablis weather. I speak a lot about Chablis because it's my neighbor. And um, the weather is much more continental. So we have much more different of temperature from the day and night. And we have around um, 100 meters, a millimeter of water each year, much more than Chablis. So the fruit in my area obtain his uh, maturity, full maturity, at a, not a big, big alcohol level. So we are perfect uh, grapes at only half past 10 or 11 degrees alcohol. It's perfect to make champagne. You don't need, need uh, sugar for chaptalization and it's not too much on make heavy champagne because that's the way now of champagne it's uh, you have heavy wine it's uh, due to the climate with more moving and for us it was difficult uh, 30 years ago and now it's uh, very perfect but for the future we have question <laughs> if you have seen uh, image or from my vineyards or from Vincent Laval you can see the roots of the plants was so much different. And the result of the years, um, of the culture during the years 70, 80, 90, is that uh, the plant don't hit in the bottom of the soil, but only at the top. And uh, when it's raining three weeks before harvest, the grapes growing 
growing, growing, big, 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 but only water. What you found is biodynamic viticulture allows or encourages the roots of the vines to go deeper into the soil mm -hmm. as opposed to staying towards the surface. And when you have vines that are not in that kind of viticulture, the roots do tend to stay near the surface. Yes, that's right. This is a reality. These days, you do run the group of biodynamic growers, right? Sure, because the group is... I don't know if I can speak about all the variety in the... There is two types of biodynamic or two types of people. There is people who say what they hope to do and who don't want any control. Okay. Some of them are my friends and I'm sure they make good wine and uh, it's clear. But uh, biodynamic is not protected very well, so you have so much people in biodynamic who say they are in biodynamic. What's interesting is uh, when you drink the wine, there is something. Is something happen, or is something don't happen? I think it's much more important. So please don't look at the label and uh, don't you don't have to know what you drink. That's the reality of me when I'm in a restaurant. In Champagne, there is several people, important people in the biodynamic. And uh, for us, it's uh, Jean-Pierre Fleury, you know, Champagne Fleury. Because uh, he's, he has got the, the, the thinking about biodynamic. He understands all the, the balance between uh, the plants, the animals, and the importance of the human. After you have people who have a good effect uh, in, in biodynamic is a winemaker who are uh, sensitive, like Anselm Cellos, uh, even if he's not certificate, or Jérôme Prévost. It's a good family of biodynamic in Champagne. And uh, you have the blend of the, these two families, who are perhaps, for me, Benoît Lay, and um, David and the new guys who arrives now uh, but I can't give you all the name if you want but like David Leclapar is that who you mean or yes yes yeah. and Benoit Lahaye Benoit Lahaye and now you have uh, Loïc Barra you have Valérie de Marne you have Frison etc etc on my part for my mind I'm, I've got the chance to to stay on contact with the farm so immediately in 2004, I got my own cow. So it's one step more. Perhaps I'm a little uh, utopic, <laughs> but uh, I was so, I've got so good feeling uh, when you have animals and uh, perhaps you know Maxime Magnon, perhaps you know Chabal or Nicolas Jolie, etc. Even if it starts of the wine, it's very well-known people. There is a special link uh, when animals uh, are in the vineyards and uh, much more important, I think, it's the point of view of people who are working with you. Because when you sell the big machine, the big tractor, and you begin working with an horses, Benoît, I work with my horses in my vineyards just before 
have his own horses. So it's important because you have this contact. And if you have animals, it's not possible to, to stay alone. You must have good friends because sometimes you need help. If you have only matching, you stopped. You picked out uh, fuel <laughs> or electricity and all is stopped. With animals, you need to, to be in link with your neighbors, with people who work with you, etc. Et so it's not just a biodiversity of soil, but a biodiversity of community. Yes. So it's not a monoculture of either agriculture yes. or culture. Yes. I think it's so much important to prepare the compost if you are uh, if you can have animals. So animals eat grass close to the vineyards and uh, it's your first fermentation. It's not alcoholic fermentation. The first is to transform to obtain compost. Inside the animal they eat and they what they eat and after what you do you with uh, the cheat of animals, if you want, to transform in compost. I usually say mared, you know, give it a little more yes. <laughs> cosmopolitan flair, you know. It's the same that to make wine. If you put wine in a bad barrel and you don't give attention, you make a vinegar. You know vinegar? Yes. Sure. Vinegar. And you can make fantastic compost. We smell bell, uh, we smell good. And every people in the village want to pick your compost for the, their own uh, vegetable uh, garden. So it's something uh, magic, perhaps. I uh, like to transform juice of grapes in wine. It's a magic transformation. You are in two different worlds. And the compost is the first magic world. You give to the soils an idea of what he will be in the future. It's like for the bread, you give only a levain. So much more important is what's inside the compost, much more than the quantity. You understand? It's uh, like a spice on a good uh, food. One of the first, well, the first thing was stopping herbicides, but then moving to biodynamic farming, getting certified in 98, but then buying cows and making your own compost after that. Yes. And around 2003, four. Four, four. What happened in 2001, it's making my first wine. <laughs> so it was, as I say, a bad vintage, uh, but I don't have any choice because the president of my cooperative say, you have to go away. It's so you got kicked out of the cooperative? Yes. It was too complicated for the other people in the cooperative to have lovely grapes without chemical. And uh, at the TV and the technique, uh, etc., etc., they explain that it's not possible without chemical. It's not possible. And so many people forget that we drink wine since 8,000 years. Before the chemicals, people were drinking wine. And the chemical is only 50 years. So the normal wine or the traditional wine is biologic wine. And perhaps much more because we can say biodynamic because only my grandfather worked with the moon. Only my grandfather don't make only wine. He make all what's around the farm. So it's the idea of Rudolf Steiner. 
So perhaps we, we spent 8,000 years with biodynamics and only 50 with chemical. And the advertisement, publicity, and etc., etc., TV, let you imagine that it's not possible without chemicals, the tractor, the steel tanks, the select east, uh, big marketing, and etc., uh, etc. Et and that kind of thing is often referred to as conventional. Yes. But in <laughs> fact, it seems to be more of an aberration historically. Yes. So that, uh, that's the story, 2001, the first wine. Two small problems, perhaps, but uh, it's to have a, a name because it's not the name of my father. He, he don't make wine for selling. He make only to drink. <laughs> and uh, after um, speak with several people, Hubert de Villain, etc., we understand that uh, the most more important is not Bertrand Gautreau. It's uh, the village where, the, where I was born, and it's uh, the soil where it's not possible to move. For me, I can disappear by the plane tomorrow when I'm coming back. <laughs> so, and if you put your name on the bottles, you put a part of your spirit. So you can transform the real juice only by the, f the power of your spirit. And you want that the bottle uh, look like you. you oh, understand? I see. I do, yeah. It's and a part of your me, ego, in a way. For me, it's it's not interesting. It's much more uh, magic to discover the fruits of the soils of the area, of the weather, of the plants of my father, and the story of my grandfather. It's much more important. So it, it was immediately Vuet et Sorbet. The two vineyards that my father gave to me, uh, there is three other vineyards that I rent to my sister and my brother. So Vouet is the name of one parcel. And Sorbet uh, another. Sorbet the other. And then there's some others, which there some you other. neglected to put on the name. So yes, because it's the, in infamy. <laughs> the, <laughs> the quiet ones, the yes. unknown. Yes. And uh, it's two different parcels with two different soils. The first in Kimajan, second in Portlandia. Which is the Vuet. more, what we think of as champagne soil is Portlandian. So that's the name. And the, first, the second was to make my uh, thinking quiet. I don't have the good word in English. But I, in the same way that choose the name of the champagne, we have to choose the name of the cuvee. And uh, Fidel, for me, it's a challenge. I, it's a sa in the same way. I've got to accept the result of what I give to my soul, what I give to my fruits, what I give to my wine. I've got to accept the result. So when you get married, you're, you don't uh, have the same wife 20 years after. But you, you are fidel and uh, you're growing up with her. It's the same idea. Uh, I discover my wine, vintage after vintage, and I discover the wine with growing up. Ten days ago in Montreal, we make a testing with 2004, 3 and 2. And for me, I discover my wife. My wife. Same way wife, no? <laughs> no, it's the same story. So the name Fidel is to 
to be with, to help, to and the wine help me, and I help him, and we are together. That's the second. It's important if you only put the name of the area of the parcel, perhaps you are not in the same link. You understand? Perhaps you say, you are the vineyard, you make the champagne. I'm not so much responsible. In the word Fidel, I want to create a real link. Blonde Argile, it's a story who seems like, because it's about, uh, with Claude Bourguignon, we work about quality of the clays, Argile. And uh, it gives us the way to select a graft in Chabis uh, village. You took there is, there is a, a blend of, oh, of graft. It's, for the it's, white. Yes, for the white. And it's a really the, the clay, the soil, will give the information to have the good graft, etc. So for this uh, white cépage, blanc, white, blanc, and uh, clay, argile. It's, it's a clay will give me the direction. So that's the name. So Fidel, all Pinot Noir. Yes. And the way it works is you have two bottlings that are all Pinot Noir. One is the San de Sorbet, one is the Fidel. And there are different parts in elevation of your vineyards. Yes. Very different. <laughs> it's a San de Sorbet uh, is uh, important for my grandfather. Because he, he have chose uh, Selection Massal in Volnay. And they don't want to have a uh, graft from Champagne area. Because when he was young, in the years uh, just after the war in 20, 2025, I explained Champagne don't pay the grapes, don't pay the harvest. Or sometimes they pay, sometimes they don't pay. So to be sure to can drink the wine and make good wine, <laughs> he don't want this type of graft that uh, big houses want to sell. So in the vineyards of Sorbet, you have a massal from Volnay, and uh, it's to make the quiet red wine for the family to work on the farm. And after when I make champagne, it uh, I try to to give bubble to this wine, so... Because originally it was still, it was like a Cote de Champenois that you were drinking in the family. Yes, on a part for business to, to sell to the big houses by the cooperative. But when I make my own champagne, I want to uh, to find the taste of my children's age. <laughs> so I make a short carbonic maceration, and I imagine make a Cote de Champenois pink, Rosé, but it was a joke to try to put bubbles, to make bubbles, and yeah, the first vintage is 2003, and my father drank it <laughs> with no problem, <laughs> so it's a good test for me, it's a very, very good test, because they don't like champagne, and uh, there is people who directly say you have to continue it's uh, the way the way of champagne and now i understand that it's only wine in my three champagne where you can find a delicatesse what would that translate to like a delicacy or something more than that delicacy okay yes, yes. uh a fine like, like elegant fine like some 
sometimes you uh, you cross the way of uh, one woman or one guy with who have something much more than than us or some people you're talking about me right now yes okay <laughs> that's what i thought <laughs> yes that that's what i i would like to obtain in my wine perhaps uh, because i I will have 15 years in several years. <laughs> but, uh, the powerful wines, the uh, rock and roll wines with Fidel or Blanc d'Argile will give you so much energy. I like it every day, morning, afternoon, during the night. But it's like a gasoline. And uh, with Seigny uh, Sorbet, it's much more uh, for a special moment, special time with only my wife or uh, my daughter or several people around me during winter uh, when it's quiet and uh, it's not the same uh, relation to the champagne. It's not the same. You have um, directly uh, powerful wine, Fidel and Blanc d'Argile, and you have the part of love <laughs> with Seigneur Sorbet. Because a lot of times people talk about carbonic maceration as making an easy fruit. But what I find in that wine is that it tastes very venomous. It tastes very like a wine wine. There's a complexity, even though it's got carbonic. So it's actually kind of like the golden mean for me. Yes, I can't understand it. Um, but be careful. It's not because it's a fruit wine that it's... Lao wine, it's a um, second wine. Uh, don't forget, we use fruits to make wine. So, perhaps the test, the um, fashion test is moving always. We begin from the sugar, now it's very dry, etc. But um, producers moving more towards a drier style often. Yes, 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 yes. Perhaps it's not so easy to have the fruits. Perhaps. So we make too much to have the fruit. And the fruit, to have the good balance, uh, it's not so easy. And um, for me, it's a challenge for each vintage. Last vintage, I don't make any Saint Sorbet. It's, it's not so easy because you, you don't use sulfur dioxide normal. So you must have skin very hard, very uh, strong. Not strong, I don't know. Uh, oh, it can't have rot? Is that what you mean? Like it needs to be thick skins? Yes, like. solid, solid skins. So it's not possible to to go on harvest and take all the grapes. You have a big section in the vineyards. That's important, that's the first thing. Second thing, you, you, you have to stay with complete grapes. Don't take off the stamp. And uh, go on harvest only in the morning, because in the afternoon the fruits are not the same. It's like for uh, cranberry, uh, tomatoes. If you go in your garden in the afternoon, it's not possible to conserve one week. If you cut in the morning, you can conserve one week weeks without fridge. As tomatoes, fantastic. So it's the same for the grapes. So you have not too much time to go on a harvest, you make a big selection, you're worried about the moon, if she is going up or going down. And after you 
have to conserve the, all the skin, don't crash when you put on your tanks. You crash, but uh, only when you're testing that all your carbonic maceration is uh, at the top. So the fruits is uh, young fruits, but you began to obtain uh, the tannic of the stems and of the leaves, I think, and to make a balance between the fruits and the amertume. And here you can go on fresh. So it's a very difficult and uh, very difficult, not difficult, but uh, you must be here, not uh, on your phone or on your website. Sorry, you must I be said here. sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And if you make Camodic maceration wine, it's well hazy and it's all the same taste. I'm okay with you, but it's a... Uh, 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 wine for drinking quickly, carbonic maceration, because we imagine it's too hazy. But uh, if you speak one evening with Marcel Lapierre, you understand that there, it's something else, or with Pascal Pacalet. And uh, it's this alcoholic fermentation, it's this, this uh, carbonic fermentation who interesting me carbonic on one side but also stems on the other and i wonder if it's the stems that i really respond to in terms of that kind of vinous taste like serious wine texture that i get from sanier de sorbet sometime yes i'm sure it's responsible of the texture of the longer in in your tasting yes but it's a balance during your carbonic fermentation uh, we picked only the grapes who are smaller than your aunt when uh, it's closed. So it's small grapes. Understand? Bunches, though. Is that yes. a bunch? That would be a bunch smaller than your hand. Smaller. Right. Not one grape, though. One grapes. So if you have a lovely young student, it's a very small. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's a great bunch, right? Yes. Uh, you, you mean like several grapes? No, only one. Oh, okay. But smaller than that. Oh, okay, okay. 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 And in Pinot Noir, it's a small. It it's, uh, helps you to select the bottom of the plant grapes and the uh, skin with uh, good. And uh, So on the vine, certain grapes get bigger depending on how where their placement is towards the sun and the canopy. The leaves cover some and they stay smaller. Yes, if they are at the bottom, they are smaller. At the at the end of the plant, they are bigger, because uh, the sap, the blood, if you want, go immediately to the top of the plant. Oh, the sap comes from the top. Yes. So. Yes. And what do you do with those bigger grapes? Where is that? Where the I'm coming back. Uh, I let on the plant. We don't cut, and we're coming back two or three day after to cut and fresh in uh, Fidel. Oh, so that Pinot Noir goes into the Fidel. Yes. Uh, yes, yes, and the plant is there is less grabs because we picked for senior sorbet, so it's easier to continue for the maturity for the bigger. Sure, it's kind of like a green harvest in a way. Yes, and the reason you're doing that is because you want stronger skins. Yes, in the senior de sorbet wine, you want strong skins because mm-hmm. you're going to do carbonic on it, and you don't want the skins to burst. Yes, got it. Okay, so I never understood that before. Thank you. So. 
for me, I get a lot of vinosity. Like again, that word, you know, kind of it tastes like a serious wine often from the San Diego Sorbet, but also your other wines. Sometimes I also get vinosity from aging on the lees, but that's not something you do very much. You don't tend to age your wines on the lees very long. Are you not aging it on the lees for a reason? Ah, yes. So, sorry, perhaps I don't have the good word to explain, but we don't work with sulfur dioxide. And um, it's like your children. If you never give them TV, for example, when they arrived at the in my brother's house and there is a TV, the children go immediately on the TV. For the wine, it's the same with sulfur dioxide. If you always put sulfur dioxide and the wine don't see oxygen, uh, when you open the bottle, it's broken. So if you conserve on yeast long time and uh, when you disgorge, the wine immediately want to obtain the air, the oxygen. And uh, for me, I preferred conserve the contact with oxygen. So you are on, in an organic skin outside on the grapes. And we use uh, old barrels to continue to have exchange with oxygen. And after putting in the bottles, you, you, the skin is a mineral skin with totally closed. In the same moment, you transport your juice in the cellar. So at the beginning, you are in the organic skin with the weather, the, the rain, the sun, etc., etc. And after you, the skin is much closed with the wood skin of the barrels. But you are inside, the doors are open, so the temperature is moving slowly, but there is no rain in my cellar. <laughs> and after you you go in the in the cellar in the skin mineral skin so you understand that the wine the juice the life of the juice is uh, enclosed step by step and um, i like this gorge very quickly to open the door if you want i don't know the, and give a new part of oxygen to say you're not dead continue to heat oxygen Oxygen uh, make me older each uh, second, but it's my life, and I'm happy to to progress in years. And um, my wine need oxygen, so after when you open your bottle, there is always a disgorgement that on the labels. From sommelier, for people who know the wine, it means that you have to open the bottles uh, one hour before or only two hours before. It's uh, if he has disgorged a long time ago, you have to open one hour, two hours before. If he's disgorged only since uh, six or, or eight months, you can open 10 minutes before drinking. So Perhaps it's kind of look, looking like a philosophy, but you must be happy to progress and be older each day. And for the wine, it's the same thing. I've got uh, in my cellar all wine who are on East since 10 years. Okay. It's another type of wine. It's not a natural champagne. It's a meaning of a guy who want 
to make this type of wine. Okay. See, if you conserve only three years on the east, you don't have a real moving in the test. But your wine needs oxygen immediately. Okay. If you conserve six, seven years on the east, the wine eat all what he can and uh, he's transformed. He go on the tertiary arum. And now it's interesting to test the wine, this type of wine. But it's another thing. Perhaps, um, That's not what you typically do. That's yes. not your thing. But in this case, it's uh, crazy to use plastic cocks to have a long time on the east. You use a natural coke. And uh, you can progress. So I've got vintage in my cellar, but for friends of to to make present for good consumer who helped me when at the beginning, and is under cook. Because you've been natural cook doing an experiment with a wine that originally you thought you were going to age under the leaves for ten years, yes. but then you stopped it a little earlier than that. Yes, and but that doesn't often make it to this country. That no, wine. no, it's. it's I need money. Like, yeah, yeah. No, no, I no, hear you. No, no, but, but uh, it's important to explain, to be clear. I need money to buy my bottles, to pay people who help me, to buy my tickets of plane for see you here now. But I'm not crazy about that. So um, I've got a problem with the high price of the wine. And so many people make millésime with a high price but uh, not fantastic to drink. So I make vintage millésime. And uh, as I'm a utopic, guys, I always uh, give like a present. I never sell a millésime. It's for people who have a birthday or who want to make a special tasting, etc. There is not so much bottles. It's so easy to, to make money because you are old, uh, old wine or because it's a small production. Because No, it's not because you are in biology that it's expensive. It's not because there is only 2,000 bottles that it must be expensive. It's not because it's a 2002 in bottles that you open today that it must be expensive. No, 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 no. That's my point of view. <laughs> so let me explain one thing just to make sure I understand it correctly. You always do wines from a single year, except that there's a little bit of reserve wine sometimes in the Fidel. But because you don't age that wine very long on the lees, you're not allowed by the law to put the vintage on it. So you do make it from one year, but there's a little code, like an R and then two numbers that tells you the year. But then at the same time, you do hold back a small quantity of wine that you do age long enough to put a vintage on the label on the lees, but that's not wine that you you sell. You give it away or you celebrate with friends or you that kind of thing. Exactly. Your English is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, you well understand it's good as a word. And at the same time, I almost wonder, you know, inside of what I might think of as natural wine, there's often a an emphasis on a, a, a kind of fruit quality that doesn't taste old, you know? like a kind of digestible fruit, a kind of a fresh fruit. Sometimes there's, you know, leathery aromas or something else, but the fruit often tastes pretty accessible, digestible, and not a what 
some people might say overly aged kind of fruit. And it seems like you're, maybe I'm wrong, trying to preserve some of that by not aging the wine that long in the lees. So for you, some of the Millezim wines that you try are a little over old. I'm not sure to have uh, an idea about this. Now, natural can be very old uh, in the tasting, even with uh, young wine. But it's too much natural for me. <laughs> and uh, it's not because it's natural that uh, you must let um, your wine alone and say the juice will be transformed in wine and uh, I can go on holiday or turn around the world to to sell my uh, natural wine. You must be here for me. And uh, young wine have a young tester testing and uh, old wine have uh, evolution testing. For me, it's normal. So you said that you didn't mind the kind of maturity that oxygen brings, whether it be to a person or to a wine. And someone that has also said that that I've heard is Sam Salos. He said something similar uh, when I was in the room once. And what do you think that you took from him, you know, in terms of him working with you and you working with him? From Anselm? Yeah. <laughs> Lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, right. More questions <laughs> no, than answers. To, um, fantastic guys it's uh, because he don't give uh, us I speak with Jerome he don't give us any solution no solution he always make us uh, thinking about uh, what we do before make the wine the wine is only a result there is no magic way of making wine uh, in Celos. No recipe. Yes. It's a mode no. of thinking. You're responsible of what you put in your pressoir, of what you put in your barrels. And if there is something with strange, you have to look behind you. Perhaps there is something strange during your vintage, during your summer, or when you plant the vineyards, etc. After, you have to accept and correct slowly. It's like with a very, very big boat. You correct slowly. You don't turn immediately. It's like with an horses. It's not possible to, to change an horses of direction. You have to, to speak, to understand, and to, to make a, the way middle way at the beginning and after turn slowly so that's the, the thinking he help us to to look uh, behind us it don't give a solution to to transform the mistake in a fantastic reality if you have a problem there is something that you don't listen that you have don't you don't have see you don't have smell there is something be sure that Anselm, for me, it's important because it helped me to make uh, so much mistake. It helped me to accept my level and um, I'm a baby and I children and I, I learn each vintage. And uh, the most 
important explanation of Anselm is when I asked him, please, there is something I don't understand, Anselm. Why you give me your wine to put in the barrels? We don't know each other only since two days, etc. It's a big responsibility you give me. Why? I'm, I'm a winemaker. I can pick your names. I can pick the, your knowledge. I can... Yes. Why? Why? Why you give me so much? And uh, the answer was fantastic. He said, you know, Bertrand, <laughs> you know, I've got two children, Leah and Guillaume, and uh, they will never learn with their father. I don't learn with my father. And if you are on a good way, if I help you to find your own way, perhaps my children can learn with you. Perhaps they can learn about Jerome. Perhaps they can... What's a fantastic answer. And after, you have to give. So, I've got young winemaker who makes champagne during two years in my cellar. And... Uh, I've got now good relation with some others who growing up with with me and with Jérôme, with Pierre Lamandier, with Benoît Lair, Olivier Orio is my small brother if you want. He come at home to dynamization, he don't have anything, etc., etc. Rupert Leroy, etc. So it's a very good answer of Anselm. It's to perhaps Anselm knows very quickly that he can disappear and if he conserved his life is not interesting so that's the first and the much more important uh, answer of Anselm for me so along the way you never went to any kind of school for wine <laughs> trained with Anselm your dad didn't make wine he only sold grapes and wine what do you think some of the mistakes that have happened have been? And what have you learned from them over time now that you've been there for about 20 years? Oh, it will be very long if I explain <laughs> all the mistakes I do. <laughs> there is not only Anselm, there is perhaps Raymond Laurent, perhaps uh, Claude Bourguignon, perhaps uh, Claude Cossura, so many people. That have influenced you. But, but there is only Anselm who making wine with uh, Raymond Laurent. <laughs> And um, the mistake is to do much more that it's necessary. Uh, for example, the vintage 2010 was a very nice vintage where everybody makes good wines. It's easy. In my area, I don't, I'm sure in Champagne in general. Yes, okay. And I want, I want to do much more. I'm like a powerful children. <laughs> and with the Blonde Argile, I want to go one step after. And uh, I'm waiting too much to obtain uh, fantastic grapes, but uh, skins are broken uh, in two days. So I'll, I lost 70% uh, of my harvest for Blonde Argile. Um, it's a good lesson because uh, 
I'm only uh, human. <laughs> so you make mistakes like that. I hope not too many. But uh, I, you, I'm free to learn and to make mistakes. That's very important. It's a part of the price of the bottle for me. I, if you you buy you one bottle of Wetisorbi, you help me to continue my experience, to continue learning. The Fidel Pinot Noir, the Blanc d'Argile Chardonnay, one is younger vines, the Chardonnay is younger vines, and the Fidel is older vines. Different parcels, but what else should I understand about them in terms of how I should approach them or how I should understand them? How are they different? They are from the same family, Fidel and Blondargil. You are on Kimia Jansoy's level three, and uh, it's what you, it's what impossible to move. So it's the end of the testing. The end of the testing is always the soils on the climate. So the two are like two brothers, very the same brothers, the same uh, minority tension at the end of the testing. And that's uh, the gasoline, the energy of the two wine. But at the beginning, there are two differences. When you put your nose on Blanc d'Argile, you always have a rhubarb testing. It's Chardonnay from uh, selecting chabis, so small Chardonnay, with a long time to obtain maturity. That's typical of rhubarb. And uh, this uh, rhubarb test gives you the, the future of the tasting. And you can imagine finish your tasting on the chablis soils, on the calcare minority, on this tension, this uh, texture. And during the testing, you have the Chardonnay who give you uh, the grapefruit, uh, etc. It's logic. So I hope you have the idea of a Grand Cru in Chablis with bubbles. Okay. But his brother, Fidel, is a bad boy. You have Pinot Noir, select in Volnay. So the smelling, you are in Côte de Bonne. You are in the Pinot. You are in the fresh harvest. You are in the skin. Uh, it's all what you smell during harvest, just before crashes grabs. It's uh, generous. And when you put in your mouth, immediately you have uh, wine, who want to exist, who want to to be everywhere in your in you. So it's all the personality of the delicate Pinot Noir from Côte de Bonne. They want to be in you, to be everywhere. But it's not normal because it's finished on the strict mineral on the directly soils of Chablis. So it's a bad boys. He want to, to catch you like uh, delicate girls, but it always finish like a knife. Like an Iran Sea, maybe? Is it similar for you? Yes, why not? Why not? It's the same sort. So he put you, he take, with, he take you with him 
And after I say, no. He throws you out. I'm, <laughs> I'm alone on this soil. That's Fidel. But Blanc d'Argile is not the same. It's prepared you. Do you find a difference in your wines between warmer vintages and cooler vintages? Uh, the difference of the cold and warmer vintage is not so much different with the biodynamic. I was surprised. Uh, I was unlucky uh, between 2003 and 2004. But after, I understand. The vineyards are not in the same presentation than in chemical produce. And the roots are very long inside the soil. And you don't have any stress in 2003, and I conserve high level of acidity. Every people have finished harvest when I began. On the raining, it's raining the 3 of September, and my brother finished the 22 of, uh, of uh, August. So the climate have less important on the vintage, but you find it after eight, ten years on east, the vintage coming back much more as for me. When you disgorge immediately, there is, yes, there is difference, there is difference, but uh, you don't have to drink like a laboratory uh, with uh, a machine who analyze all the wine. Uh, no, there is a difference between the hot and, and cold vintage, but not so much. Uh, be careful at the end of the testing. We'll give you the minerality, the soils, uh, the climate of the wines that you are drinking. It's not possible to move. It's only the beginning of your tasting with on the vintage, warm, cold, etc. It's coming back after a long time on the east. So something you've told me is that not just the yeast change from year to year, because you're using native yeast and there are different ones that take over, but also the length of mallows changes significantly from year to year. Like in eight, you had really long mallows. Yes. What's that like and what does that imply? It's a natural transformation. For me, uh, it's crazy guys who don't want any malolactic. It's like if you don't want alcoholic fermentation and conserved fruit juice. So malolactic is uh, a part of the growing up of the wine. Okay, that's good. After malolactic is beginning uh, like in a mirror with the climate of the vintage. The climate is a little difficult uh, during the, the growing up of the grapes, when the grapes closed just before change of color. This time between forests, between the 10 of July to the beginning of August, it's a perfect mirror of the malolactic. If this time is cold, wet, etc., you have a malolactic who who began very late. Perhaps you have to wait uh, final July to August. If this time is uh, short and hot, malolactic, it's immediately. You can... The bacteria are very well... Um, have much more possibility to begin immediately during alcoholic fermentation. 
without prepared special cocktails, etc., etc. The the links make by the weather. So you have to understand your weather. You have to understand the wind, the, the wet in, the, in this moment, and you can. Uh, prepared you for the maritic and uh, moving your barrels for soutirage, etc. But uh, be quiet and uh, it's the perfect reflex of the vintage. So in a way it's really two years because it's the year that the grapes see the weather and then it's the year that the mallow sees the weather the, the following year. Yes. And in laboratory, analog explain you that you have to select special yeast and special bacteria, bacteria, yes, to make your maritic. And uh, they like. And now it's it's very fashion to make the maritic during alcoholic fermentation. But what they do, they only select variety of uh, bacteria, was possible to make uh, the two in the same time. But in the nature. The fruits who arrive during harvest is perhaps not prepared. Perhaps it transports another family of bacteria, but not those that we need to make money very quickly. So we have to listen and uh, be quiet, be quiet. <laughs> when you taste your own wines, do you find bottle variation between the same disgorgement? So, no, not very easy. I can't find difference on the same dates, but only if I test in another place, in another day. But on the same place, on the same day, sometime, but uh, I accept. It's the life of the wine, but not too much. Do you have aspirations to go beyond five hectare? It's five hectare now, right? It was a big question. It is a big question. With my wife, uh, several time neighbors proposed to me uh, to grain up, and uh, till uh, several years we say no, because there is no reason. I prefer, as you say, take a young guy who have his own vineyards to show him how I do, to give him a tractor or something help. Uh, help him to put in bottlings than to catch the vineyards of the grandfather, etc. So it's, it's not interesting to growing up. But, 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 my brothers, who is nine years more than me, is my parent. No, we have a special link. Okay. Yes, okay. And uh, I have Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, and uh, the Pinot Noir go to uh, big houses, and since five years, I make the, the culture on the Chardonnay and Pinot Blanc. And this year I got a, I buy a part of his harvest. And in the future I will buy uh, one hectare from my brothers. But uh, I make the compost, etc. And it's vineyards who are close to me. And he asked me to choose a massal graft when he plant etc. We are very uh, we have a good relation with my brother and he have a second job so he makes uh, cereals uh, he have another small uh, business 
So the wine is not uh, is is business, is passion. So with my wife, we it was not easy to to make this choice, but we make. And uh, in two years, there will be a new bottles who come from the Pinot Blanc of Jean-Marie, my brother, and um, vinification with special for this vineyard. It's much more different than the barrels, etc. Because Pinot Blanc uh, is a cépage which is very new for me, so it's interesting for me to learn to, to progress in this vinification. What have you seen so far? How does it differ than Chardonnay? It's the, the touch of generous, touch of Pinot Noir, who can give you a, a, like a lovely touch and uh, acidity with uh, present, but much more like uh, lemon, yes. But uh, we don't have so much Pinot Blanc because they have an oxidation very quickly. So to, to be in a biodynamic uh, vinification, it's not so, you don't have a solution, nobody do now. So it's a new story for me. <laughs> Bertrand Godereau at Vouet and Sorbet, he's looking for new stories and he's already written a few. Thank you very much for being here today. Ah, thank you. Bertrand Godereau of Vouet and Sorbet. All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Skella has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose and Thomas Bartlett. Show artwork by Alicia Tenoyan. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, and so much more, including show stickers, notebooks, and even gift wrap are available for sale if you check the show website, all drink to that pod.com. That's I L L drink to that pod.com, which is the same place you'd go to sign up for our email list or to make one of the crucially important donations that help keep this show operating. You can donate from anywhere using PayPal or Stripe on the show website. Remember to hit subscribe or to follow this show in your favorite podcast app, please. That's super important to see every episode. And thank you for listening. While I was doing background research for this interview, I used Peter Lean's ChampagneGuide.net, which was very helpful in developing questions that I later asked. I would recommend that site to you if you're interested in this producer or if you're just interested in learning more about champagne.